0: Previously on Buffy the... That movie you like. The sequel. They're walking through the island. One of the animals successfully bests the other and starts to eat the loser. This is not a triceratops. It's not a pre-existing dinosaur. This is something new. A two-headed raptor is on their tail.
1: I mean, two-headed dinosaurs, I'm there for that. A carnivorous triceratops, very cool. I'm waiting for the three-headed raptor in Act 3. Tuna needs a kickstart. What's better than new, original films created by a diverse range of voices? Sequels, reboots, spin offs, remakes, and more of the things you already love. Obvious, obvious Brendan and Nick present that movie you like
0: The Sequel. Welcome to Revenge of That Movie You Like. It's time for the great new podcast where we look at classic films, then pitch you the sequels you can't live without. I'm Nick. And I'm Brendan. And this
1: week, live from isolation, we're still doing Jurassic Park 2. Yes, that's right. Last week we heard Nick's version of Jurassic Park 2 a nightmare of mutant dinosaurs. It was so much fun. And I was very glad that you went in a totally different direction to me.
0: <laughs> I, I'm glad I also did that because we, we write these at the same time. So we're not we're not looking at each other's notes while we're in the process. And I guess once we've already shared one, then the other one's already locked in. So
1: <laughs> I will mention a bit that I was a little nervous about last week, but I'll mention it after I do my introduction. I don't want to give anything too much away. But yeah, if you're ready, I think maybe it's time to sell out. Yeah, time to sell out. Sequel creation. <laughs> it looks like they've ordered a sequel. Three. Almost Three. ready to sell out. Two. Perpetuate Two. this cycle of money, greed, fascism, and triviality. One. Show me the money.
0: Sequel incoming. I
1: didn't, I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. So my film starts with the, uh, the Nedry death scene from the original Jurassic Park. Ooh. Are
0: we seeing it from another angle?
1: We're seeing it at this point. It's exactly the same scene from that previous Jurassic Park. I Probably cut down for, for time a little bit. Yep. So roll your mind back to that, that classic Nedry scene where he's on the road. Yep. He obviously comes off into the mud. Hey, nice boy. Nice service. you. Thought you were one of your big brothers. You're not so bad. You're not so bad. What do you want? What do you want? You want food? Look at me! I just fell down a hill. I'm sucking wet. I don't have any food. Wonder you're extinct. I'm gonna run you over when I come back down. <laughs> all of all of that stuff happens from the previous movie, and this, and then we pick up here. So as Nedry is attacked in the car, <laughs> we see that Barbasol can roll into the mud. <laughs> Suddenly, a gloved hand reaches out and picks it up, we don't see who it is. Meanwhile we're treated to a new scene of Nedry. He's badly hurt, but he actually manages to drag himself from the Jeep, still alive. The Dilophosaurus jumps out behind him, Nedry lays on the ground, his death is imminent. Suddenly the dinosaur is mowed down by machine gun fire. Nedry looks up to see a large man in army fatigues. Thank God. You're with Dodson, right? Where Plan B? The man opens fire on Nedry. It cuts to a distant shot, the gunfire barely audible above the raging storm. The man's team appear from the darkness behind him. Two women and two men. One woman's machine gun tears apart the remaining Dilophosaur in the valley below. Alright, time for extraction. A helicopter appears. It's being expertly piloted in this terrible weather. A ladder drops down. That's it mate, fucking easy! Let's get a few tinnies in on the flight home! The Aussie soldier starts to climb the rope. Out of nowhere, the T-Rex comes running down the access road. Grabbing the end of the ladder slamming the helicopter into the trees either side of the road. The Aussie mercenary falls to the ground. He's dragged off the road by the others and the helicopter explodes in flames. They slide down the muddy embankment. The Rex looks down the muddy slope, seems to think better of it, and continues down the road. The mercenaries get up. The Aussie is injured and limping. You wanted more fun, dickwad. An American woman smiles. Looks like we're finding our own way home. Let's march. They head into the jungle as the title appears. Jurassic Park, Trespassers. So that's my introduction. Can you see where maybe I got a little nervous, where you're studded with mercenaries as well? Yeah, yeah,
0: it's an interesting thing because I didn't want to lean too heavily into it just being mercenaries, but I thought, well, who else is going to be walking on this island? Yes. (laughs) So I, I think it's fair that we would both come down on the side of coming up with that idea.
1: Yeah, and I think you'll see that I've gone in a very different direction. So I guess technically... This is less of a sequel and more of a sidequel. This movie is going to take place alongside the events of the original Jurassic
0: yeah, Park. Yeah, that excites me quite a lot because, in a lot of ways, you also sidestep that issue that I had with the whole licensing mm-hmm. contingency. Yeah, just- so the dinosaurs are still alive and well, and you have a really cool, like, Jason
1: Bourne overlap. And the best thing is, like, Wayne Knight still gets royalties from this one too. Yeah, I wanted to pick up that Barbasol can plot point from the original i thought that that's just a a really weird plot point that like to me clearly was setting up like the amount of time that they spent showing the the Barbasol camp being covered in mud. It seemed like that was going to be the sequel. And and actually, my understanding is maybe that was to set up a sequel and then the book went a different direction. So they did mm-hmm. too. But yeah, I wanted to build on that a little bit. So let me introduce mm-hmm. you to the team because that's going to be important to know as we go through the rest of the story. So we've got five mercenaries on our team or the trespassers. Oh, maybe another just a little bit of Jurassic Park nerd fact. There was a... a I guess, ill-received Jurassic Park game called Jurassic Park Trespasser, Single Trespasser. So I guess this is also my little bit of an homage to that as well. So, oh, okay. so the trespassers, or the mercenaries, we have Delroy Lindo as Major. Do actor Delroy Lindo? I'm guessing probably not. No, but not. I'm Googling so MBB right I now. I can tell you a little bit about it. So he's quite famous for being in several of uh, Spike Lee's films so he's in Malcolm X um, the big oh, yeah. the one I was aware of um, and The Five Bloods but the thing that I really knew him from mostly is he's the detective in the the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds and he plays, oh, yes. he plays a lot of those. At least the movies that I've seen him in, he plays a lot of those stern, serious roles. If you look up a picture of Tori Lindo, he very much has the look of someone that could be a, a leader of a mercenary team. Yeah. Yep.
0: So yeah, no, I, I've got him. I've got him up on IMDb now. Yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah. I think that's a pretty cool choice, actually. So,
1: and, uh, and I was he's, in Broken Arrow. Cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's done quite a bit. Often a lot of he's one of those character actors, and a hmm. lot of those characters are cops and and those kinds of... Yeah,
0: guys. he's like uh, his era is Idris Elba almost, isn't he?
1: He is. And actually, that's very much part of what I was going for. I wanted I wanted a British guy, so that was part of my choice there. And I, Idris Elba wasn't really doing a lot back then, and I don't think he was really old enough back then to play this role. So that's why I went with Delroy Lindo. Yeah, so he's a British soldier. He's the leader of the team. He's stern, but he, he loves his team. So, yeah, that, that's him. I'm going to be really upfront. A lot of these guys aren't super... Deeply defined, because it's not really the point of this story that we're going to be telling. They yeah. are those cliches. You mentioned Predator in in yours. I think there's a lot of, when you see mine, there's a lot of comparisons <laughs> could be made to that original Predator. So then as our second soldier, we have Paul Hogan as Redback. So, yeah, Paul Hogan. You've gone full Croc Dundee. Awesome. Yeah. Well, he was very big. <laughs> he was big in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. He was, it was Crocodile Dundee too. He was around. He was the Australian at the time. Mm. And I think he could play a role like this, especially then. Like he could play the role. He's he's the smart mouthed comic relief type of character. I was honestly
0: when you were when you were leaning into the Australian, it was it was oh this would have to be Paul Hogan because anyone else is just going to sound like an American putting yeah. on an Australian yeah. accent. I, I wanted
1: I wanted to go really really Aussie with this one. yeah And, and he's the radio man of the team. So that's yep. you know it's not so important. I guess it's not that important. That's
0: good. He doesn't <laughs> need his legs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah he's the radio man for the team. So next up we have Linda Hamilton as Alpha. So Linda Hamilton, famous around this time for T2 and and obviously the first Terminator as well. She was in other things like Dante's Peak as well, if you like mediocre volcano movies. But uh, I think in T2, she's just such a badass and I wanted to... Steal that basically. Mm. She's already done all that work to be a badass for that. We may as well. She just was, um, show her. She
0: was a still a badass in Dark Fate as well. So time hasn't dulled that impression at all.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of hers, especially in T2. So mm. I've brought her over. She's the American soldier of the team. So you're probably noticing they're all different nationalities. That's something I wanted to do. I don't know. It's nice to see a big budget movie that's not all Americans. So, But she's yeah. American. She's the absolute badass. She carries the big gun. That's her role within the team. She's the. The Jesse Ventura from Predator character, just absolute badass. That's that's her role. And she's not really any deeper than that. That's her that's her. <laughs> Next up we have um, Michelle Yeoh as uh Leopard. So I don't are you familiar with Michelle Yeoh? She
0: was she was in Tomorrow Never Dies, among other things, isn't she? Yeah, so that
1: was her big Western movie in at this period of time. She was really big at in this period of time in Hong Kong action cinema. So she was in things Mm -hmm. like Police Story 4. And then she's become quite well-known here. So she was in Catching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. More recently, she was in Crazy Rich Asians, Shang-Chi. And her most recent film, which is probably her biggest film here. Everything Everything, Everywhere Everywhere, All at at Once, once. isn't it? Yeah. So obviously, she wouldn't have been nearly this well-known at this time. But she was... Known for those Hong Kong movies. She worked with Jackie Chan quite a bit. Well,
0: there you go. you got an eye for talent before anybody yeah. else
1: did. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I, I've got the benefit of hindsight a little bit. But I, <laughs> I really like her. I like that she can do stunts as well. So that was a, another reason for choosing her. So she's often portrayed in, I think she's been Chinese and, and other races in her movies. But my understanding is that she's actually Malaysian. So she's going to be my Malaysian soldier. And she's mm-hmm. the expert in hand-to-hand combat. And she's pretty cocky, but she's got the skills to back it up, if that makes sense. So that's that's very much her role. And then the final member of the team, we have Dolph Ludgren as Goliath. He's the sweetest shoulder oh, and man mountain. Dolph, yes. <laughs> very much known, I think, even still today for Rocky IV. But he was at this time, well, then he was in Masters of the Universe, which wasn't a huge success, but that was his big break mm. as a lead actor, I suppose. And then he was in things like Universal Soldier, He's more recently been in things like Expendables and stuff like that. But really, yeah. he's the big man. That's what I wanted <laughs> for the team. Yeah, and yep. that's he's a big guy. So I thought, and he's European. So that was nice. It was nice to have another accent in the movie. So nice. that's the setup for my soldiers. That's my intro. If
0: I might say at this point, I half asked the question in, in mine. So when there's uh, characters already written, why would you bother coming up with new ones? And I think you've answered the question there because you come up with something far cooler yeah. <laughs> right off the bat. Like looking up these actors, the I mean, I know most of them, but you you can really get a sense of, oh yeah, I can see how that dynamic would, would play out. So you've, you've got some instant chemistry there to, to build on straight up. And we've we've been able to sidestep a lot of that history with the with the other casts, whether they come back or not, and they're not having to contrive a reason for them to be in the location again. Yeah. And, so no, I, it's I think, really like
1: as far as I yeah. know, none of these guys ever really did a movie together. But I think they would have been great. Like that's what I was picking. It was like my When you go out and you pick your sports team or whatever, you pick the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fantasy football or something. He's like, I can pick whoever I want. So I'm going to... How likely is it we could have got all these guys and it would have all worked out? I don't know. But that's who I'm picking. And if I was... Was casting it back then. This is this is who I would have gone with. I'm,
0: I'm definitely going to put it, start putting a bit more thought into who I'm casting as what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving forward, I think.
1: Oh, well, and this is maybe in an answer to my Spider-Man script where I didn't introduce a single new character. I decided <laughs> to, uh, to test myself a bit more this week and go in the completely opposite direction and basically have a whole original cast. So it's like
0: there's the jumping in the deep end, and then there's also like just. Dropping with cement shoes in the deep end. So.
1: <laughs> I like to test myself. So shall we jump back into it? Yes, go. So the movie follows the team trying to escape Isla Nublar. They have the ticking clock of 36 hours. That's how long the can in the original film would last for. So they can't wait for a new extraction team. Their radio was damaged when Redback fell off of the helicopter. So they're out on their own. There's There's no one coming to get them at this point. They have details of an old fishing dock, but it's at the other end of the island. There's the main dock, and if you look at a map, which I looked at a map quite a lot for this this movie, and maybe we'll pop it up on our website and Instagram so you can have a look too. I might, and I might even draw the trail that these guys would take across the island because I think that'd be cool if you wanted to follow along potentially at home. But yeah, there is a fish. There is a dock in at the bo- at the south end of the island, which is the dock that we see in the movie, which is is where the workers come to and from. There's the helipad. I'm creating that there's an older fishing dock, which is at the northwestern end of the island. So it gives us a chance to maybe see some parts of the island that we haven't seen before. Awesome. They, they're they going to need to avoid the manned areas of the island because they're not meant to be there. So they're going to be traveling through the exhibits and the jungle. And they are going, like I say, in the opposite direction. Uh, they are hitting... Very importantly, they're heading the opposite way that Alan Grant and the kids are. So without looking at a map, it's a bit hard to explain it. But basically the Dilophosaurus and the T-Rex pen very, very close together mm-hmm. when you look at a map. And that's why it made sense for the T-Rex to, to be there. T-Rex with, to be there T-Rex. with Adri, yeah. It's basically just attacking yeah, makes- those those guys and it's taken off and and then attacked this helicopter on its way to, to wherever it ends up by the end of the yep. movie. So they're going that, that different direction. So they're not they aren't going to cross over necessarily. And they're going to an area of the park that we don't really see in the first movie. I think that's something I wanted to do. If you look at a map of Jurassic Park, there are like several exhibits that they never see in the movie. So there's one dinosaur that we'll get to later, which has actually never appeared in any of the Jurassic Park movies, but apparently was on the first island. So I made the decision to, again, limit myself a little bit to go with the dinosaurs that I know were on the island as well. So, well, you'll, you'll get a feel of that as we go along. So the first place that the soldiers reach is the Parasaurolophilus paddock. Sorry if I butchered the pronunciation on that one. It's a very difficult dinosaur to pronounce. If you're not too familiar... I mean, if,
0: if paleontologists want us to, to pronounce these things correctly, then they really need to up their game with naming these things. Yeah.
1: Uh, if you're thinking of what these dinosaurs look like, they've got a bit of a bill almost and, and quite a big long crest coming off the back of the head. And they work on their hind oh, legs. Yes. They do appear in Lost World, and I think maybe they're in the very opening part with the Brachiosaurus as well, but they, they're they around on the island. Um, oh yeah,
0: they were off in the distance, weren't they? Like they I were think on so. Herd yeah, we didn't see, things. We, yeah,
1: we didn't really see them up close. We do a lot more in, in some of the later movies. This is our opportunity, so it's it's when they reach this Parasaurolophilus paddock, this is where we get that huge shock and awe moment that Jurassic Park does so well. So this is the pulling the sunglasses down scene, I guess. Yep. But it's very different, very much like yours, because our scene, our movie's opening in the storm, we're seeing a huge herd of panicked... Um, Paracerophyllus. Oh, um, nice. So as they start to cross through the herd, they be, the herd begins to panic even more that these these men are running through. So the team's starting to run. Goliath is dragging Redback through. So Redback, uh, Redback can walk, but he can't really run. He's injured his legs when he fell from the helicopter. Major gets knocked down as he's about to be trampled. Alpha mows down the dino with a machine gun. This causes even more panic though. So the the gunfire has really scared these creatures and the huge herd starts kicking and running. Leopard actually manages so Leopard, the Minishio-Yo character, she manages to climb up onto one of the onto one of the and she is riding it out. Mm-hmm. Goliath and Redback are not so fortunate. They knocked down and trampled into the mud. <laughs> Eventually the herd clears. The team are all covered head to toe with mud, apart from Leopard, who comes back and starts helping up her friends with a big smile on her face. So that's their first experience with the dinosaurs. Nothing too Ooh. deadly yet.
0: As- but like, like again, I really like how this is happening in tandem with what's what's going on at the other end, and I really like that you you're actually thinking in the geography of the place. So yeah kudos.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. And to me it was really important, especially when I started looking at the map because I I was aware that there were dinosaurs on the island that we didn't really see and obviously it, you only see so much in that first movie. But when I looked I was like half the exhibits we never see. So let's explore some of those exhibits. And it was a happy accident that by heading northwest we go to a whole bunch of exhibits that aren't really in aren't really seen in the movie. There are a couple that were for further south. One I think I missed one dinosaur. So I couldn't think of a good reason for that dinosaur to head all the way. It's right down the bottom to head up. I can't <laughs> even. It was a herbivore. It wasn't that exciting. So I left that one there. But I think all. Maybe the other- it ran
0: away from like all the carnivores down that end of the island. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, uh, we could see it. There's, there's, there's an opportunity to potentially where I, I thought we might see it later on. But I haven't specifically written a scene around that. But the other dinosaurs I, I have. So you're going to see a bunch of new dinosaurs as well as some old favorites as well. Excellent. So. We, we've gotten out of that herd the next thing they reach is a river so as they head northwest there is a river that it doesn't cross the entire island but it crosses it enough of it and it goes quite close to where the visitors center and things are so they're going to be forced to to cross that river obviously with the storm it's flowing quite fast and it's probably about chest deep at the absolute shallowest point which is where they decide to cross leopard goes across first and she's because she's good at everything she crosses successfully no no real trouble then the major goes across goliath and redback cross together so again goliath's helping helping redback across Mm. suddenly as they're crossing a baryonyx bursts out of the water
0: do you know baryonyx no but i'm guessing like a not not leoplerodon or something no
1: no so well not too far different if you think of and it does appear in some of the later movies but certainly wasn't in jurassic park but definitely was on the island it's it walks around like a T-Rex. It's a bit smaller than a T-Rex but still pretty big, but it's got the head of a crocodile. And oh, okay. from the the sort of limited research that I've done on the, on the dinosaur and specifically on the research I did on the dinosaur within the Jurassic Park universe and and their version of Baryonyx, it is a dinosaur that goes in the water as well. And okay. is, is quite at home in the water.
0: Like a halfway crocodile T Rex thing.
1: Yeah, so and it's this is the one pen that was a bit further south, but if you follow one of those other rivers up, you'll match up to where it goes. So it isn't un, it isn't unheard of that the baryonyx would be where it is. Mm. Especially with all the chaos of the island and the fences mm. going down and, and that stuff. So we've got this baryonyx bursting out of the water and so we're seeing it from the neck up and it comes out of the water. Big crocodile Crocodilian type face. Alpha opens fire from the bank. He's trying to fight it back and it bites his hand. So he's like literally trying to punch this dinosaur away and it it bites his hand and and quite easily crushes it. It's got very powerful jaws.
0: Is his hand still attached to his arm? Yes.
1: It's 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 stringing on. It's pretty messed up. And so we've got remembering that Alpha has not crossed yet. She's on that first bank still. So Alpha hits the baryonyx with enough fire that it lets go and it's starting to back off. But then a second Baryonyx on land comes out of the darkness, biting her in half. She dead. Again, important to know, Baryonyx is uh, on land and an in the water dinosaur. So it can, we can come from either place. So, so she, yeah, Alpha's out. Um, she's gone yeah. to the second Alpha's Baryonyx. Alpha's omega Yes, which is unfortunate because, again, an actor I really love, but I think we needed that big hit to show that the stakes are really real.
0: Well, I mean, Alpha also means the first, so <laughs> yeah. first to die makes sense, I oh, suppose. Nice.
1: That's, that's, that that's a lot of subtext that I didn't necessarily intend for but I'm happy to take credit for. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, take the credit. (laughs) Um, So we've got Goliath and Redback. They get out of the water but Goliath is pretty badly injured. The remaining team run into the bush. They're firing at that Baryonyx to keep it at at bay because they're crossing the water. They do manage to get away from the Baryonyx. As they're running into the next films, we're actually starting to get that sun coming up. So, I'm coming out again. So, like it does later in the movie, no, they spend some time overnight and stuff in Jurassic Park with Alan Grant mm-hmm. and that, and the trees and, and things. And then the sun starts to come up, and it's morning as they're getting back to the, the visitor's center. So, this is around that time that they'd be getting to the visitor's center. They're getting to the Triceratops paddock. The trikes, as we see in the movie, are pretty used to humans, so they just ignore them. The team stops. They use that opportunity as having the trikes around, I think, makes them feel a bit more comfortable to stop. They stop for a break, quite a rare break. We don't see a lot of this in the movie. It's the opportunity to eat some rations, apply first aid to Goliath's hand as well, and and even probably Redback, who was got some injuries in that helicopter accident. And they reflect on their lost teammates, Alpha, and also the pilot, Um is is one of their team that I guess that they lost. I haven't written any detail on the pilot, so. <laughs> Okay, so the pilot was played by <laughs> yeah, we, Jim Carrey. Cool. Yeah, Jim Carrey is a pilot. We never see the pilot, but they talk there's yeah. uh, this is the opportunity to talk about the pilot and I think I guess the scene for me is our first maybe opportunity to just to see these characters in a slightly more likable like, that they're not just those macho men, that they actually do care. As much as they may be bad people doing bad things, they do care. I was going to say, um, we're not
0: really rooting for the people that are with Dennis Nedry here, are we? No, so, no. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting thing to be, be following these guys along. And I I think that's an interesting, like it's a Hitchcock move really to, you make the characters motivated and the audience just, comes along for the ride regardless of what the motives are
1: yeah and i'm definitely with this team going for even though they're bad guys they're like those cool bad guys they're like
0: suicide squad yeah yeah exactly
1: (laughs) Um, so i'm hoping people are just gonna like them because they're cool but this is maybe an opportunity to give them just a little bit more depth maybe go into their backstories a little bit more and have them reflect and see that despite the fact that they move on quite quickly from the deaths of alpha and their pilot they're not heartless they're just doing their job and um yeah, And so they have this moment of calm, and I think it's a nice reflection time, good bit of a lull before we get back into the action again. We, I think you need those quiet moments before the action picks back up. Oh, Definitely, yeah. So the moment of calm, unfortunately for them, is quite short-lived, though. As the trikes become agitated, the team are bumped as the trikes start to run. So they're just knocked around by the, yeah. t- the trikes. They're not hurt, really, or anything, but they're just knocked around. They're okay. Leopard, though, is knocked down. So this is the yeah. first time that we ever see Leopard fail at anything. So we see Leopard knocked down. The the rest of the team thinks that's pretty funny because she she rarely she's rarely the butt of the jokes. She's that the professional perfect fighter. And so to see her firstborn child yeah, syndrome. Yeah. So to see her knocked down by the Triceratops, the rest of the team thinks that's quite funny. But Leopard climbs up and she says, "You idiots! What are they running from?" So something is chasing these Triceratops. Oh, and yeah. I'm going to do my best to pronounce it. <laughs> so oh. we have Metriacanthosaurus. Comes te- Ooh, tearing out of the that
0: forest. Was, that was a tongue twister. Say yeah. that ten times quick. Don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. you'll
1: die. <laughs> so yeah, Metriacanthosaurus tearing out of the forest. Not a dinosaur that I was hugely aware of. I did have to do a little bit of research on this one
0: to look at How it. Do you spell it so people at home can like <laughs> Google this.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to. We'll put it in our show notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm fair not gonna, enough. <laughs> it, it, it's like twenty letters long. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> oh, so, um, so it's like almost the whole alphabet. Yeah, but that makes
1: sense. It, it, it really is. But to explain what it looks like, it's like a smaller beefier t-rex oh okay yeah so it's not as big as a t-rex but it's all muscle if i could compare it to an like animal like a possum yeah i'd compare it to like a bull that's yeah. what i when i look at it or like a
0: like a, a bull pit. is probably a bit more aggressive looking than a possum.
1: I yeah suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah a bull or a pit bull yep. staffordshire terrier ter- how any of those breeds that are really all muscle. Yeah, that's what this is. It's all neck and it's all face, basically. A kind of snub-nosed in comparison to T. Rex, but big jaws and big, solid-looking, beefy body. On the map that I have, which appear, and this, this is the map that's on the official Jurassic Park wiki. It's listed in green, which means mm-hmm. it's a herbivore for all the other dinosaurs. I think that's incorrect though. All the research that I did is it was 100% a meat eater. So I think maybe just on the map that they used for that original movie, they missed identified it as a herbivore but very much it's it's a carnivore i think oh
0: that's that's good because you're you're picking up on now that hammond didn't proofread everything and therefore some of the graphic design accidents made their way through to the final copy so yeah he spared some
1: expense (laughs) (laughs) i think i don't it may be in some of the later movies, but it's never a big player. The only time that I'd actually seen it is in some of the games. That's mm-hmm. the only reason that I even recognised it. And I had still had to look it up to, to recognise that I'd ever ever seen it before. So we, we've we got this uh, Metricanthosaurus. He comes tearing out of the forest. They've all lost their large firearms in the previous events of the movie. So their machine guns and, and things they're all ruined from the water or they're, they're not working anymore they're down stuff the, that
0: alpha had is covered in blood
1: so yeah Al- Al- well alpha was left at the other side of the river so they couldn't take any <laughs> of that stuff with them so yeah they, they are getting lower on this the dinosaur runs at goliath who starts punching it with his good hand so he's punching this dinosaur in the face i love well, like that
0: this guy just goes full barbarian rage <laughs> <yeah. you laughs>
1: that's that's his that's his whole um, character he's <laughs> <It's> not <laughs> any deeper than that leopard runs and and hits it in the neck with like a big sidekick so he's punching it she comes running in and and, and hits it quite hard with this sidekick and Major pulls out his side arm and starts shooting it and it actually retreats this oh, is a rare win for the team and they celebrate and they continue on so mm. they've bet they've bested the metriacanthosaurus they're heading to the northwestern section of the map of the park which is if you look at the map and again we'll put this up so you can see it it's it's basically empty so once you get past where the raptor pens are, which is just above the, so just north of the visitor center, it seems to be just an empty area of the map. But we're going to assume that up there is where this old dock is, and maybe some other lesser used parts, I guess, of of the place. So as they enter this empty area of the park, they discover several dinosaurs not listed on the map, such as Dimetrodon in these large pens. So they're not they're not in enclosures like the other animals in the park. They're in more like just temporary pens. It's almost as if maybe these are dinosaurs that they're looking to add in in the future it's a bit
0: rude that they're just leaving them there in their little pens (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) and again I think this is me showing that the park isn't maybe as nice and shiny as it looks in the the other bits maybe the treatment of these animals is also not actually that great that's something I wanted to say I think this would be an opportunity to have that other dinosaur as well that we didn't get to see from the original park I unfortunately haven't written this name down but I think that's we could have some of those in these pens as well so that we have an opportunity to at least see that the reason no I I, I
0: do like the idea that you behind the curtain a bit with, yes. uh, with yeah. that as well. So yeah,
1: I like things like abandoned theme park videos and I like reading when people like sneak into unauthorised areas of Disneyland and things like <laughs> that. That's what I'm thinking with this area of the pens. Much less glossy, it's very workman-like this is just like where they're keeping some dinosaurs until they have a better place to put them. Also, the reason I specifically put Demetrodon in there is I remember him being in the original toy line, and he's not listed as an <laughs> official dinosaur, but he was in those original toys. You will have, you'll definitely have seen this dinosaur. Well, I think technically he's not a dinosaur; he's a, a prehistoric reptile. But if you have ever seen that dinosaur, and he's quite low to the ground, and he has a huge frill on his back, like a fr- oh yeah yep. yeah um any t- kid. That had knockoff dinosaur toys in the '90s. I'm sure had one of these. Demetri yeah, ones. I'm. I'm pretty sure
0: one of them ended up embedded in my foot at some point.
1: Yeah, he's a really classic looking dinosaur. Looks like I actually, I think he's he's technically not a dinosaur. He's a he's a large reptile. Yeah, but no. uh, yeah,
0: we know paleontologists Just keep <laughs> listening because trust us. But he's really you cool. He's
1: really cool. He was in the toys, and he actually made an appearance in the most recent movie. So I, oh, lo- cool. I, I really and. I think he's just a classic looking creature and I want to. I do
0: love the yeah. idea that they've gone with Jurassic as the as the title of this whole saga because it's much better sounding than Cretaceous.
1: Yes. <laughs> and actually you might be pointing out something that's actually important with one of the next creatures that we're gonna meet. Ooh. So as they get they they go through the pens, this isn't really a scene where it's it's, a, it's again one of maybe those lulls between some of the action sequences. It really is just designed to show that there's more to the park than what we've seen before and maybe it's not as nice as we thought that it might be. As they get closer to the docks though, they find some footprints that resemble raptor footprints. So that's a little bit of a worry. Then they begin to hear screeches from the jungle around them. So they're hearing screeches. They can't see anything. They're heading down this path Flanked either side by thickets and bamboo and fern. And so, can't really see into the forest. And they're hearing when all these- suddenly
0: Alpha bursts <laughs> from that note. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're hearing all these screeches. And actually, this is inspired. I look behind the curtain of my way of writing stories, which is where I just take any experience I've used myself and re reuse it. But when yeah. I was in Bali, we where we stayed, you walked th- to get to the main part of town, you could get there much quicker if you walked through a place called the Monkey Forest and the monkey forest is a forest just literally full of monkeys as as you would expect
0: i, I guess keep the keep the name relatively straightforward yeah, so yeah, yeah
1: yeah and during the daytime it's a little bit unnerving cuz monkeys are quite intimidating when they're when they're quite close to you but overall it's it's in the day it's quite a fun little walk through me and my brother challenged ourselves to walk through there at nighttime and at <laughs> nighttime it's a very different experience in the daytime you can see the monkeys they're on the ground they're on the path Not a time you can't see any monkeys but you can hear mm. monkeys and they are everywhere and they are screaming <laughs> and they are... I don't know if it was the time of day, it was before they went to sleep or what, but they're very, very loud in the period that we're in and it was very intimidating and you're taking... Well, they're like, probably
0: like scared shitless of you exactly. because you're just big monkey coming through And yourself. you're taking
1: one step at a time in this pitch back, There's no lights or anything like that. you this pitch back path in the dark just hearing all these monkeys coming from the bush around you and that's what I wanted to recreate in this scene. This idea of... Not you can hear it, but you can't see it. It's coming from the jungles around them. And it, it's even though it's the daytime, it's getting darker because they're in this really densely thick area of the forest. From nowhere, again, I'm going to butcher the name, but from nowhere, Herrerasaurus, a raptor-sized dinosaur, pops out grabbing Redback and dragging him into the surrounding bush His screams suddenly stop. (laughs) Yeah, opportunity for a crikey or a struth. Um, Yep, (laughs) and and he's quickly taken into this thicket, and he just he just disappears. Like disappears. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah. No, he's definitely yelling the sea bomb at that point.
1: Yeah, and the screams. You can hear him screaming. You can hear him being potentially eaten, and then it just stops. Oh. So Herrerasaurus, another dinosaur that we do not see in Jurassic Park. To explain what it looks like, as best as I could tell and from what I can find out about it, similar size to a raptor, similar build to a raptor as well. So so maybe that's why it didn't appear. In many ways, it's quite, it, to me, looked quite similar. It's worth noting, as the most interesting thing about the Herrerasaurus is that it's one of the very first dinosaurs. So one of the most ancient dinosaurs and Uh. certainly the most ancient at least my understanding it's the most ancient dinosaur on Jurassic Park. And when I looked into it more, especially into like the Jurassic Park lore around Hererosaurus, there is very little. He hasn't appeared or they haven't appeared in any movies. They have appeared maybe in a couple of games, but not in any real significant role as far as i can tell
0: not nothing like in the the hard canon of the, no. the films itself. and no. i think
1: they've been overshadowed by the raptor yeah. because, because like i say they are quite similar and actually when you look at the map the raptor enclosure is right next to the herrerasaurus enclosure so mm. i would imagine that they were contained in a very similar enclosure and, and I guess you
0: can the- also imagine them as like okay we're going to try making this one and we're going to try making that one yes that one looks more interesting We'll yeah. go with that. And, so and these that, things are just left. Yeah,
1: and Alan Grant is is the raptor guy, so it makes yeah. sense. I think that the movie goes with the raptors, but where? Yeah. So I think it's it's fine for me to say this now. It's not really going to spoil anything. There aren't any raptors in this movie. Oh, okay, <laughs> where I figured the raptors are fighting that T Rex. Yeah, even if busy. they survived it, they're they're not in good shape. So I don't no, know. I mean,
0: if, no, if I remember as well, like. One of them was locked in the electric room, I think. Can't remember if they got out. Oh, one that yeah, they, they kind of can use doorknobs, can't they? So. Yeah,
1: yeah. So and yeah. we see a couple of them fight. I think, I think there was four originally. I, I lose track a bit, but at least two of them are fighting the T Rex. So yep. I figured that they're out of play. And they were such an iconic part of Jurassic Park One. I almost decided. That I might just leave them there, and so we're going to have Herrerasaurus, and I hope sure. that I'm going to make you love Herrerasaurus as much as you love the Raptors. First <laughs> so, and I've taken, we will we'll see. I've taken some artistic license because I don't know a lot about Herrerasaurus, and and that was very much a theme in the original Jurassic Park that they did take artistic license with some of these creatures. So he's popped out. He's killed Rat, Redback. Redback, stop screaming. The final three mercs stand back to back, side arms raised. Where are they? The screeches continue around them. A herrerasaurus steps out of the bush. It changes color as it steps into the sun. They can camouflage, so that's my a key differentiating Ooh. factor from the raptor. And actually, the Lost World book had dinosaurs that can camouflage, so mm. that's I decided to attribute that to herrerasaurus. I think it just gives nice. herrerasaurus its own thing. It's not just raptor light. It's its own own creature.
0: Because that would also change the way it, it hunts as well. So you you can get a very different experience from from that particular creature than rather than just like oh this is a raptor just with a different coat of paint.
1: Yeah, these these guys and they're, I think they're still pack hunters. They're still within the pack, but they're not necessarily using uh, tactics like the raptors did. More they're they're more reliant on the fact that they are good at hiding. That when they're in those bushes, they're almost invisible. That's their thing. So yeah, that's Hererosaurus. So they, nice.
0: o- I, I do like that as a, as a feature. So yes,
1: nice. And we, I mean, we do get a camouflaging dinosaur later with the Indominus Rex, but they never really, apart from. As an excuse for it to get out of its pen, they don't focus on that very much. And obviously, Jurassic World mm-hmm. doesn't exist in our universe, so I'm the first person yeah. to ever come up with the idea. Of <laughs> so well, you're
0: you're releasing this in the in the mid '90s, I'm guessing. Yeah, so we're talking maybe like '95. Yeah. So yeah, you're ahead of your, you're quite ahead of your time there.
1: Yeah, Indominus totally ripped me off.
0: <laughs> you're you're going to have a lot of fun with the CG guys, though, trying to tell them, oh yeah, we're going to have this this all happened in the water
1: so you'd
0: you'd have a lot of very angry cg people coming at you with with pitchforks if you tried to do that in the mid in the mid 90s i think
1: yeah i haven't i haven't thought too much about the logistics (laughs) of effects and things but it's actually it's a very good point so we've got this hererosaurus that's stepped out of the brush and we can see that they're aware that it's camouflaging They open fire with their their pistols. Another Herrera pops out, grabbing Goliath by his arm. So it's grabbing him by his bad arm at this point. He's yep. punching it because that's Goliath's go-to move. When dinosaur punch, yep. you, start punch. Punching. you start punching it. And so far, it's been relatively successful for him. Long run um, smash! <laughs> so he's, he's punching it. As he starts to punch it, a third Herrera pops out of the bush and it grabs his other arm. They're tearing him apart. Oh, no. <laughs> so they, these dinosaurs are quite vicious, quite violent.
0: I almost get like the vibe of that guy in Shaun of the Dead when he gets dragged out the window and it's, one arm goes that way and the other very arm goes much that. that way.
1: Once, once they're on him, they're ripping him yep. apart. And it's almost like at this point, his team realize, and I think, well, and we see in the next line, he realizes he's dead. He's still yeah. alive, but he knows he's not coming out of this. So he yeah. yells, "Run!" and and they they do. The other two <laughs> members of his team run. They break out of the jungle and they run into what looks to be some side a lab or something like that. Obviously, there's no one there because the island's evacuated. So they run into the lab and they barricade the door behind them. They're slowly walking through the lab, but they feel a bit safe. They've they've locked them outside. As we all have as we all know, dinosaurs can't open doors except for raptors. <laughs> um, so And Her- they're
0: at the other side of the island, yeah. so they're not going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. Hererosaurus can't open doors. <laughs> Another differentiating factor from the raptor. So they're walking through this thing, but they do feel a bit of relief, a bit of safety, a bit of an opportunity to regroup. But as they travel through, they hear glass breaking, and the dinosaurs are somewhere inside they know that they've come in as they're walking through this lab they pass some dinosaur statues and one of them blinks they they don't see it and they continue on
0: that's a that's a very mystique yeah. in x men one move it know, is <laughs> like the- yeah.
1: A- again, another movie stealing from me years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so well that wasn't
0: that movie wasn't out yet. So no, yeah, exactly you know, they stole it. from you.
1: It sneakily steps down behind them. So again, it's using its stealth. That's its its defining factor. And it's creeping down the hallway behind them. Suddenly another pops out of the room in front of them, and as they turn to run away, they find they've got this other one that's been following them. Leopard yells Get the can to the dock, sir. Leopard runs at the Herrera that's blocking their way, sliding into its legs, and she slides into his legs and knocks it off its feet. Major runs through; he's got tears in his eyes. At this time, even the major is becoming emotional that he's lost his whole his whole team. Yep. He hears Leopard fighting the two dinosaurs behind her, and we don't. We might, I think, because she's a action star, we'd probably show some of that as well. Yep. But really. The focus is on Major as he's he's running out of the lab.
0: I like the idea of just imagining what some Kung Fu versus dinosaur would look like yeah know, it just, was just for yeah
1: i think it would be really cool to see yep we get it lost where we get gymnastics versus dinosaur so in this one I not think... nearly as interesting <laughs> yeah let, <laughs> let's go kung fu versus versus dinosaur so major runs out of the lab and he's approaching the small dock as he gets down to the lab there are there are several boats there he sees a, a large fishing boat he jumps aboard and he's, he's trying to get this fishing boat started that while this area is obviously used in some capacity. It's it's not used nearly as regularly as the other parts of the island are. So he's trying to get this boat started. We hear glass smashing again. Oh dear. But this time we see Leopard bursting through the window in a run. <sighs> she's injured, but she's okay. She's pursued by two Herrera. She <laughs> runs and leaps onto the boat as it takes off, narrowly avoiding the dinosaurs. Nice. They are safe and they take the boat into the open ocean. They finally relax. Major is driving. I'm going to see if there's any food below deck, Leopard says. She goes through the pantry and she finds some cereal. As she eats it from the box, we hear a familiar screech. A Herrera is on the boat. Oh, no. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We cut to Major, who hears a screech and a scream. Yeah. He checks his gun. No more bullets. Oh, dear. The movie fades out to another Herrera screech. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end Woof. of Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Yeah, you you go for that whole horror vibe, don't you? That was, that was nasty. Yeah, I wanted to take <laughs> like it in it. a different direction. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you lean into something which I think is important for the best sequels, which is to change genre a little bit mine obviously was science fiction very much just pulling at the threads that already existed whereas you've you've gone into that far more again predator that horror thing so switching that genre would make for a far more memorable sequel whereas mine would probably feel more of a like oh yeah it was fine but it was tacked on does that make sense i
1: i do and i think it. mine might be the one where people are like this is not what we wanted <laughs> because it is it is so different it, it, it i think there's the risk it could be it could be aliens where people loved it even though it was completely different to that original film mm-hmm. or it could be like we don't want A horror film, (laughs) like we don't (laughs) like, we want more of that all ages. Like there's horror aspects in Jurassic Park. I don't think I've brought something completely new, but I think. Maybe I've taken it in a more defined.
0: Direction. I would define like the the horror elements of Jurassic Park one as similar to like the horror elements in Indiana Jones, though. Exactly. Like it's yeah. it's an adventure. That's the adventure portion of it. Yeah. I mean the the book I would argue is is chiefly science fiction. Yeah. But the the movie itself, while it has science fiction in it, it's not really leaning into that as much as it is like the adventure element yes so the fact that yeah you you switch gears and you've got that critical little bit of overlap which like the born identity movies uh, did really well where one bit is happening on or where the one movie ends and the other one begins halfway through where that movie was already going so yeah yeah. I wanted a- to
1: I, I wanted to do the start with the Nedry scene because one I wanted to pick up the the thread of the cant. And that was a really good, I think, inciting incident for for the team to be there. And it, it did a lot of the heavy lifting for me starting with that scene. I didn't need to do yeah. a lot of backstory. We could jump straight in. Everyone knows that scene so well that yeah. I could just jump straight in and we could, we could hit the ground Running, which is something I really oh definitely. To I mean
0: that that was that was obviously the the thing I labored under because like my entire first act is just explaining where everyone is and yeah. what they're doing. So yeah, now you, you bo- definitely
1: the first movie yeah. is that too. Like the first Jurassic Park yeah. is more anticipation and those kinds of things. Whereas with this one, I really while I still wanted to have suspense, I still wanted to have dinosaurs that we don't see right away. I wanted to maybe go into the action a little bit quicker and jump in there a bit quicker. Having them be mercenaries allowed for that as well. We didn't have to explain why they can fight dinosaurs because of course they can. Like it's just the thing. But also, and you mentioned Predator before and Predator, I didn't really, it wasn't really planned, but as I was writing it, I realized that Predator was a bit of an inspiration for this story a little bit. So I decided not to be too bothered by that and lean into it, but also make it, like what's different from Predator to the dinosaurs is the animal behavior. And so I wanted to give them, yeah. instead of having like just a Herrera be the the sole villain for the whole movie, I wanted to see them have to Negotiate different and, animals yeah, and different problems. Yeah, and the different so. behaviors that they all had. And I tried mm. to make the dinosaurs while still using the dinosaurs that were on the island yeah but make them all feel hopefully a bit distinct so like we had a battle in the water we had herbivores mm. we had a bigger carnivore that they they had some success against that's what I wanted to do with that and and yeah it, it's an action horror I guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and I think I also wanted to leave the movie in a good space for future films so mm. um the cans still on that boat. That boat's out in the water. I thought about having an end scene where another helicopter comes and picks it up, but I decided <laughs> to leave it open. I think it's more powerful ending. On I mean, it's a bit nihilistic, and it very is very much is a horror thing where maybe no one survives. It's it's yeah. Not, it's not the most uplifting ending, but I think it it. Well, to be honest,
0: we didn't really want them to succeed in their mission either. So <laughs> exactly. We were to-
1: and, and I think having that out in the world in some capacity, there's also a dinosaur floating around on a boat. So there's like <laughs> a lot of things that could I was
0: literally waiting for like the giant Leoplerodon that was living in the bay to just suddenly come up and go, oh, yeah, snap went- up the boat and that would be that.
1: I would have loved to have had a water dinosaur. There, there weren't any on that original mm. park. That wasn't really a thing. I mean, not to say I couldn't have added one, but the... No, they
0: did do that in Jurassic World, didn't they? That yeah. was like, yeah.
1: They had the Mosasaurus. But yep. the, the baryonyx kind of worked for that for me. Yeah. I still wanted to... And at that point, like at the point that Jurassic Park 2 came out, I don't think anyone would have known what a baryonyx is. So <laughs> it was a really good opportunity to introduce people to like a new dinosaur, but in like a really mm. cool way. My hope was that Baryonyx might be as like iconic as some of those other dinosaurs that from that original film. And yeah. make and making it be able to be on the water and the land. And that not probably being something that the average moviegoer knew. So when it came out of the water, Then having the second one attacker on land hopefully was a shock and a surprise because there is there is one
0: very, very big advantage that you your story has as well, and I think it would be in the potential toy sales. Yes. Because you've you've definitely tried to expand the canon of all the different Dinosaurs that obviously already existed, so the amount of toys and and the potential for that would be would be quite quite good.
1: And yeah, I'm a big toy fan as um big toy collector. I know. Yes, Um, I don't have a huge amount of Jurassic Park stuff. I I do have some, but I was very much into as much as I didn't have it when I was a kid. I was very much into the early Jurassic Park toys. I thought they were really cool. I was probably getting a little old for that stuff at, at that point. But that was another thing that I was thinking about, like using that dinosaur from the, using the John for the toy line, using some new dinosaurs we haven't seen. So there's opportunity to get the toys back out, but also we can bring Dilophosaurus back. We can bring T-Rex back. We can bring Trikes back. So we have some of those previous ones. We've got five new characters, all that use guns and cool yep. toy-etic stuff. Yep. Um, so we can have a helicopter. Like <laughs> there is a lot there it for toys and, and that action toy market, I think yep. as well. Yeah that that was pretty much that's pretty much mine in terms of comparisons as much as we both had mercenaries in our movies i don't think they're that similar
0: no no i think we've we've definitely gone down very different roads as far as what the narrative could be about and i think like i said mine was a bit plain literally they go for a walk and it goes bad yours obviously has a very good through line where they're on a mission and how well they do is is basically how the movie pans out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's. I I think we both have some interesting films, and I'd be interested to see what our listeners, if of, of those out there, would which one they would rather see. Like if they had to pick between the two. Yeah, I because, think yeah.
1: when we we previously did Spider Man Four in our in our most recent series, and I think those movies almost felt like companion pieces to one another and felt like the natural progression of that franchise. Whereas I think Jurassic Park didn't have a natural progression. It was such a good standalone movie. And I think this is what the actual sequels then struggled with is it was wide open for what you do next. There's no real Mm -hmm. clear, oh, this is where that story is going to go next.
0: And what is the safe path forward? So you come out with a much more horror... Based version of of a sequel, and they release that, and then suddenly you get the fan blowback of like, oh no, we, that's that's not what we wanted, and whatever. But at the same time, it's then that puts it on the producers to go, no, we need a safer choice, and so you end up with something a lot more homogenous and boring.
1: I think so. The the issue, and I think as you have just summed up, is with both of our movies, is that they take it in the franchise in different directions. So mine's maybe going for a more mature audience, I suppose. And that is gonna cut off a lot of potential revenue for the Jurassic Park franchise. Um that first movie, as much as it got some scary bits, is an all ages movie. On the flip side, your movie does pick up that natural stuff, but then it, it does move away from dinosaurs quite a bit. It moves into that mutants and monsters yes. thing. And so and I think once you've taken that out of like once you've let that aspect be out in the world You can't go back to just dinosaurs anymore. So it's your if you go with your one, you're really setting the path forward that we're actually going to be more focused on the genetics and and that that aspect of the storyline. Again, which I think is equally as interesting. It's interesting that- It's
0: not Jurassic Park. By the time you get to a third movie, it's suddenly not dinosaurs anymore, is it?
1: Yes, exactly. And I think that becomes really tricky. And I suspect that's the struggle that they had after the first movie. Sounds about right. Yeah. The Lost World- they weren't hundred percent sure what to take it, where to take it. They just put it on another island and did similar things, but at the same time, not. Yeah, they did seem to do some of the things that we wanted to do, which is I think show the dinosaurs a bit more and have some of that stuff. But yeah, I think it was. I, and I decided to go down the path of I don't really care whether this is the viable sequel. I just want to write the sequel <laughs> that I think I would have had fun with. And yeah.
0: and I think that... And I mean I can write myself back out of that corner as well. Like yes. the whole the whole idea of the the island being home to next generation of. Dinosaurs that are coming out are, are mutating and stuff. That was that was more of an indictment on the geneticists and stuff that were working. So they would you could you could theoretically say, oh no, okay, we're going to try again, and this time we're going to be a lot more faithful to the actual DNA of the dinosaurs. We'll get it right this time. So there would always be this bend towards trying to recreate the dinosaurs, yes. but not necessarily with the results you want.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a really nice line in I think it's in Fallen Kingdom. Where Henry Wu straight up says, if we made dinosaurs the proper way, they probably wouldn't look anything like this. Like, there, he's, yeah, no, get, that's, that's like, right. It was
0: in, it was in Jurassic World, oh, I think, yeah, proper yeah. because he says, yeah, along the lines of, it's if we different. made dinosaurs, they wouldn't be what people would be expecting to see.
1: Yes, yeah. And even in yeah. the most recent one, and this is not spoilery really in any way, but we, we get to see some dinosaurs with feathers and, and things like that, where they actually maybe are a bit more accurate to what we think. At least what we think right now, they they might have looked like
0: because we do still need paleontologists.
1: Yes, (laughs) yeah. Yes, definitely. And and I'm sure that there are kids watching the latest Jurassic Worlds signing up for for that very important job. Sure that if nothing else, the Jurassic franchise has done great things for getting people into the field of paleontology. Yeah. And
0: certainly for computer graphics.
1: Oh yeah, yes, that too. Yeah, I I think I don't know. I Like I say, I think from here we throw it over to our viewers. We are going to do some polls around some of these once these episodes start to come out. It might be a little while till you see the poll, but there will be one probably when this episode comes out. I imagine
0: um, it'll be a while until we see the poll. Yeah, exactly. The you, poll comes up pretty much as soon as these people You, got, you guys will see it
1: straight away. <laughs> We're still getting used to this. Yeah. <laughs> but really keen to see what people think. I think this is going to be the week where the, it's it's. I I don't know. From my point of view, maybe it's gonna be hard to pick. They're too they're well, very I mean, the, different. the thing like... I think
0: is that the the best way would be somewhere down the middle. Yeah. Because I think your characterization of the, the mercenaries is far more interesting than my cannon fodder that I that I have. Yeah, and, and certainly your casting is spot on. So I, I would love to see like a, a hybrid of actually both of our ideas moving into together because you have a far more interesting journey through the park whereas i probably lean into the this is how it could could follow on so yeah i'd be somewhere in the middle would be a, a pretty interesting way to go
1: yeah i think i think so too one advantage if you were thinking of voting for mine is we could make this sequel today and it wouldn't contradict anything that happens in any of the later movies either. Um, yeah, Wayne Knight's still going, so yeah, you could probably... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we might have to recast it with some younger actors, but we, we could make this movie today. Who, um, who would be the young Crocodile
0: Dundee? Oh, Jai Courtney. Oh,
1: Jai Courtney's a good pick. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Or, or any of the Hemsworths. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Or any of the Hem- yeah, Liam would probably be up for
1: it. Idris Elba was definitely my thoughts for the yep. major.
0: Who who this Who's... Occupying the Linda
1: Hamilton space, I, guess. I she could still be limit. She's still pretty bad. Yeah, she could she still would... be limit. Linda Hamilton, um, I suppose That's s- Same with Michelle Yeoh. Like, I think she could still yeah. pretty much play that role today. And and even Dolph Lundgren. Like, if you had him be a bit more of a grizzled team, you could largely use the same cast, <laughs> probably. Well, I mean, they'd all be
0: retired ex-military, so yeah. you have no issue with having this bunch of expendables more or less come yeah. out to to do the. The work, so. I think
1: I think that could be really good fun. I'd love to see a movie, even if it was just for a short period of time, that went back into that original park a little bit. We've really only ever seen that original park in the first movie and a little bit of it abandoned in Jurassic World. So
0: Yeah, and I think actually that's, that's another good point that I wanted to bring up with yours is that you actually still show it as a park and I think that is an important distinction because, again, I liken it to... the the Chernobyl safe containment zone where it's just this man-made disaster rolling on, but yours still shows it as, no, this was designed to be a tourist attraction. Yes. Which I think is is an interesting distinction to, to still keep yeah you really need showing
1: to, you really need to watch fallen kingdom <laughs> so yeah. it's like i say it's nothing like your sequel but there's so many i don't know synchronicities and so many <laughs> there's a little bit of crossover in terms of it being like that the zone of a disaster essentially i suppose it, The lack it, of a well. <laughs> to, um, yeah you did it first again I?
0: <laughs> yeah i did it first well yeah I, I i swear i've only seen maybe like bits of promotional yeah. material and i think it was oh. like Raptors ru- running through like a, a city or something, but that—that's as much as I've well, seen. A-
1: like I say, I, I don't think in any way it feels like you've ripped it off. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think it, when oh, you, <laughs> I think when you, when you watch it, you'll get a little bit of a like, huh. it's like cool that people had similar, some similar ideas in where to take the movie or, or picked forward.
0: up on the same, same cues. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah.
1: So definitely cool. something to, um, to look at. But from here, I'd like to... Before we go into our next segment, I just need to make an apology for this week. We won't be doing the community catch-up this week. I did have some some mail and some questions. I was approached by another podcast, the Toy Power podcast, and they were quite upset that I'd taken their fan mail. There's more of them than there are of us. So I'd just like to shout out those guys. Really, That fun- explains the bruises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to
0: ask, but I thought it'd be rude.
1: Yeah, so... um. I mean, these, despite the fact that they roughed me up and stole our mail, I'd really like to just. Stole their mail back. <laughs> then. Stole their mail back, perhaps. We, potato, potato. But I'd really like to send you guys in their direction. Actually, they, they've said that I need to do this or they're going to press some legal like action. So, Toy Power Podcast, it's a lot of fun. They talk toys. If you're as into toys, as me, you're going to have a lot of fun with their podcast. So, or toys will end up in you. Yeah. So, But unfortunately, no community catch-up. Hopefully, we'll bring that back very soon. But what we will be doing this week is going across to our new segment, sequels that work. You want to see the most beautiful thing I've ever filmed? that too? Who's want to do that? Sequels suck. Bullshit generalization. Many
0: sequels have surpassed their original.
1: You people will say, well, the sequels did this. The sequels made money.
0: All of this just works.
1: Yep, that's right. It's a brand new segment called sequels that work. We spend a lot of time talking about movies that we like. We spend a lot of time talking about sequels that don't work. And we spend a lot of times talking about sequels that we want to see. But I thought something that was kind of missing from our podcast is an opportunity to talk about sequels that are actually good
0: yeah that we don't
1: want to replace with our own yeah. yeah yeah and so this is a sequel podcast largely focused on creating sequels and doing that but i think part of the creation of sequels is recognizing what sequels need and a really good way to do that and maybe to bring this discussion to the audience and kind of share some of the things that we're thinking about when we create a sequel is to look at sequels that work and maybe could be a bit of an inspiration for how how we do it i've think this is going to be a bit of a reoccurring segment. It's not going to be every week or every fortnight. It's but- just as
0: long as the the mailroom ban is yeah. in effect, yeah. which hopefully will be a while. So this might be going on for a while.
1: Or if we see a sequel that we just really want to talk about, we'll throw it into an episode. I've got at least a couple of sequels that I'm really, really keen to talk about. I know that Nick has a few, and we'd love to hear from you guys as well. But for this week, my sequel that works is Sing 2. Have you seen the Sing films?
0: I oh man I saw Sing okay. I I have not
1: seen Sing Two okay it's that, a good that was hard to say yeah I have
0: not seen Sing Two all right well <laughs> I'm gonna talk
1: a lot about Sing Two in a second but I'll just set up what Sing One is just in case people don't know it's an animated film from Universal it's all about uh, it's in a world where animals are kind of like people and it's all about this kind of theater producer who's a pretty dodgy guy kind of taking his last shot to get his theater off the ground by creating a a show which is sort of taking average people off the street and turning them into musical stars and into sort of a musical performance there's a lot of Kind of similarities with things like X Factor, Australia's Got Talent, all all those kind of musical, or pop idol, or the, yeah, all, you know. yeah, all of those kinds of shows about about those kind of things. It definitely builds off that, but it's it's leading up to this big live show and spoiler alert for the first thing. It's, it's not really a spoiler because you know what's going to happen. They're very successful. And the, the show is a big hit after all these trials and tribulations, even they, though they, the, a you great know, show. they
0: almost didn't make it because something bad happened. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch of things thing that they writes have to itself, overcome. This itself, you yeah. realize. Like yeah.
1: It's- <laughs> it, and it's not anything that the original isn't anything special in terms of great storytelling, but it's really charming. It's just overall really good fun. And, And lots of great music, great musical numbers. I think kids will enjoy this movie. It it sort of
0: plays to me like I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to those ones, and I do find it a bit like a a bit of a clip show. Like you know, oh, Oh. this character, yes, okay, I know the situation you're in. It makes it it writes itself.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, and and I think there's an element of that. And I only recently saw like this. The first thing's been out for years. I only recently saw it, and I kind of wrote off as that. And I actually think there is more character and plot development. Than I would have given it credit for. Certainly before I saw it, I didn't really have a huge interest in it and I, I quite liked it and immediately went and watched Sing 2. And Sing 2 is what we're here to talk about. The things that I like about Sing 2. So at the end of the movie, we've got these people and they're like, in a, it's a big success. And sometimes movies will kind of like come up with some way to strip that out or remove it and and put the characters back to where they started. and back to like, you know, oh, you know, we've gone
0: rags to riches. Now we have to go yeah. back to rags because it needs to be exactly. more rich. You riches. see it a lot in video
1: games. Yeah. All those abilities that you learned in the oh, last yeah, game. We're yeah, going to you know. strip them all.
0: Oh way. no, my grappling gun, bro. Yeah. I need to get another one.
1: And I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. I hate that. So, But, but mm. this movie begins with success. In the first film, that single performance was a really big one and this has spawned like, a, a show that's that's going on every night and it's a huge success. And so the next logical step is that they want to take it to Las Vegas. So they're going to take it to like the bigger stage, and it works and it, it builds on what came before. They're going to this new place where their fame doesn't mean that much. Like they're still famous. They still created this great show. But everyone's famous. Yeah, exactly. And everyone's big. And it's all bigger. And it's all got to grow, which is great for a sequel because you want it to be bigger. So yeah. it, it it works really really well. It. This flows through to the characters as well. So you've got the gorilla who in the first movie, he wants to be a singer and that's sort of his big thing. His dad and his family are criminals. And so he's trying to stand up to his family, break away and do what he really wants to do. Again, there's not really spoilers, but he's successful in that. He becomes that singer. Um, he he resolves those kind of relationships issues that he's having with his dad and, and everything's left on like a really positive note there. And so what do you do with the gorilla in the second movie? Like, I think that's actually a hard storytelling thing to come up with. Like, yeah. he's got all of the things he wanted. What do we do with him next? Well, in the new show, he, he needs to dance. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and he, he's never had to dance. He, he specifically was the guy that sits at the piano and sings at the piano. And for this new one, he has to learn to dance. And so it's throwing him into this new area that totally feels real and relevant with what's come before. And we, we see him kind of have to cope with those changes. Another one that just pops into my head. The first movie, there's an elephant. Sorry, I don't know any of the characters' names, but I'm going to call them animals. But by the animal names. The elephant, She her whole plot in the first movie is that she's this amazing singer, but she's too scared to sing in front of people. And the whole movie is that. You probably guess in the first movie, she eventually sings in front of everyone. Her journey is resolved. Mm. What are do you doing in the sequel? Oh. Well, she has to be in a romantic scene and she's never had a romantic relationship in her life. Mm. So now she needs to learn about romance and she can sing, but she's she once again is uncomfortable in her skin and and, and which was really the key part of her character in the so last So they're
0: sort movie. of like finding a new angle on their insecurities from the previous, yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, so yeah, okay. and
1: in a way that I think really works. And I mean, I don't think the gorillas was really an insecurity for the first movie. I think they created it for the second one. But at mm. the same time, it fits the world that they've created. It fits the story that they're yeah. telling of bigger and better and more.
0: Well, I mean, it, it it sort of speaks to them having their you know you you expand your comfort comfort zone. It's still a comfort zone, right? Yes. So now you have to go outside a, a slightly bigger box, but it's still oh, all right. I guess, yeah, it's always an uncomfortable thing to to exit or push against that boundary, isn't it? Yeah, and
1: and I think any creative person can relate. Maybe this is why I like this movie. I like to think that I'm a creative person. That any creative person can feel that kind of, oh, I've I've achieved some success. But now, moving to this bigger playground where it means nothing. Like I think we can relate to that. And I I think this movie does a really good job of showing that. There's one character, the mouse from the first movie, whose story is largely resolved in that first movie and they just don't bring him back and and given where his movie where his story ends in that first movie it totally makes sense that he doesn't come back um mm-hmm. he's he's not very well liked by the other characters in the movie that's the thing and i think again they made a smart choice they didn't try and shoehorn him back in just because they had to bring back every character yeah they're like no his story's done we'll introduce some other characters instead i think pretty sure he's played by seth mcfarlane and i Get the impression that maybe Seth MacFarlane is a bit difficult to work with at times too. So I, I, I don't know if that. Has I think Seth impact.
0: is a. I mean, I don't know. I haven't actually met the guy, but he is a kind of triple threat. Like he's an animator, he's an actor, yeah. he's a voice actor, he, he can sing. He can yeah. really sing. Like, yeah. So I, don't I think know. he's also
1: a very strong personality. He's a very um, strong personality. And yeah. I, mean, I
0: imagine if, it, if something's boring to him, he does not keep those
1: thoughts to himself. Yeah. Also pretty busy. So I yeah. don't whether he even that has the time to, the point, to yes. do this. things. He's got like 17 shows. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he he's not back in it. They introduce some new characters. Again, they're characters that have kind of similar issues to what we might have seen in the first movie, but their flaws are different. So we've got a, someone who's a great singer and dancer, but she can't act. Uh, like <laughs> all, of, all of these things. And they they even have a thing where like this new show that they're putting on for there's this whole kind of story with this really dodgy producer and, and things which is quite cool and I won't go into a spoil but basically they have unlimited money for this new show which is, mm. is way different to what they in the first one they were like recruit Beg, borrow, exactly. yeah. Yeah. they were plugging their power cords into like the next one <laughs> Whereas in this one they've got essentially unlimited money but the problem they have to solve is that they have said they're going to have this this famous singer come back and sing for the first time in 10 years oh it doesn't matter how much money they have they can't solve that problem with money mm. so again they're setting up these like just great things for the characters to overcome but mm. that feel so natural with the development that we had in the last movie mm. they're not erasing anything they're just building and building and building it's and great. this is the
0: thing where we sort of run into one of the things that we've found useful in our in our stories is if you've got a character already you you just a lot of the hard work's done for you right yeah. like you kind of know their trajectory, you know their, their personality, you know how they're going to arrive at a problem and, and how, in a way, they've grown from the problem they had last time. Or you also know new directions you can push them in. You know what they've not done. So, yeah, it's it makes sense for them to have actually had all these characters and actually give them new scenarios that they have to grapple with.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think when we look at the sequels that maybe don't work, like we talked about The Lost World, and I think that's when the character trajectories are taken in a really unsatisfying direction that don't feel like they naturally progress from what happened before. Yeah, in Malcolm obviously being the character that follows on from Jurassic Park to Lost World. Whether or not you like Lost World or Jurassic Park, I know a lot of people like Lost World. I don't want to diss that specifically. But to I me, mean, the char- character trajectory of in Malcolm, to me, doesn't really work. It no. doesn't really build off what came before very well. And the situation that he finds himself in, to me feels a bit contrived.
0: Like it doesn't feel There's even like, you know, if you want to be really nitpicky, there's the there's the thing where he says he has like three kids in the the first movie. Like he sort of flippantly yeah. says, Oh yeah, I'm always looking for the next Mrs ex Mrs. Malcolm or something. Yeah. But then he sort of like has only one daughter in the next movie, so it's, yeah, it's it's and he's a very sort of
1: caring family man rather than this you yeah know, kind of yeah it's know, it's player. like He was a secondary character, and they've tried to redeem him and make him more detailed, but they haven't really been true to what came before. Yeah, and and I think that's something that's hugely unsatisfying in in bad sequels is when you're not building off those characters in a natural way, and yeah. and I think that's what Sing Two the reason that I picked Sing 2 as my sequel that works is that the whole film builds off what came before but tells a new story that makes sense, that takes these characters to new directions, that still pushes the characters, that still is interesting because it could have easily been Sing was a real big success and people like Singing Animals, let's just do Singing Animals for an hour and a half and kids would have probably still enjoyed it. But they did more than that. and I feel like they crafted a really nice story that... Maybe not everyone was expecting. I wasn't expecting. And see, it. I might have to see
0: this now because I never really rated Sing One very highly, and I and I think it's unfair sometimes to, as well. Like I, I looked at, I pr- certainly knew Sing Two existed, but it's very much on the periphery of my knowledge. Yeah, and I expect n- nothing from it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't expect that I'd enjoy it. But you know, having heard you say this, it's something I might sit down with the kids and actually sit through and and enjoy. Yeah, so, and
1: yeah. and it, and it's not going to be for everyone. Like not everyone's a musical kind of person and not everyone's, although this isn't actually a musical. It's a a, a Like the music is diegetic. Yeah, the movie is is music within the movie. Yeah. And my wife has like a musical theatre background. I've done a little bit of musical theatre myself. So it is something I already have a bit of an interest in. So again, it's not going to be for everyone. But for me, it was much, both films, but especially number two, much more satisfying and well-crafted than I expected. Universal seems to put a lot of, uh, and I'm sure that it's very profitable and they know the reasons why, the Despicable Me franchise, like they're pushing that thing through Uh. the roof and Minions and all that. Even Secret Life of Pets. I feel like Sing is kind of the lesser known of the the three, but at least in in my experience, they're the best films. I I think this is an interesting point because, I mean...
0: Trace, my wife really enjoys like the Despic- despicable me sequels and and minions and I don't want to diminish that enjoyment for her but me personally I just find it so cynical you know yeah. <laughs> like it it the, the minions are a you know a happy meal box that's just been
1: yeah, given yeah. life and and, and I think the first despicable uh, me especially is well to be fair all of the despicable me movies are good like I'm not saying that they're bad even but the I don't think there's as much there as there actually is in Sing. If you look, if you yeah. look for it, like I mean,
0: just Despicable Me One, it really. I don't want to be disparaging because, again, obviously, a lot of animators and special effects artists and writers and actors put a lot of effort into all of these films, and it's the easiest thing to to sit in my little chair at my microphone and and complain, but it does feel quite, you know, color by numbers. Like, you know, okay, so we have three orphans. All right. You know, oh, we, we're making a sort of father-daughter thing and then the minions are going to go off and do the, the saber-tooth squirrel thing and, and be interesting to watch. Like, it, it feels very, you know, derivative. So having Sing, like you say, I did not expect anything from, from, that, from the first one and I didn't really care for it, to be perfectly honest. But the idea of them actually taking something that, you know, is... Relatively low risk, I suppose, mm. as, as far as you know, a, a, a story and actually expanding and making it retroactively better. That's mm. that's encouraging,
1: and I don't think they needed to put this much effort into it. Yeah, like people would have gone and seen that movie regardless. I, yeah, I just think they've done something really nice. It's good to see and,
0: where effort has been put into yeah, something. Yeah, yeah,
1: that that largely we often bemoan kids' movies that they dumber, and I don't actually think that's one hundred percent true. I think there's lots of good ones if you want to go and look, but. I think Sings are, re- at least for me, is a really good example of it being done well. I think I would just say, if you think this is the kind of thing that you might be into, give it a chance. Your kids would probably really like it. Like, it, it's, if nothing else, it's catchy as heck. Mm. Like, it's it's just really good fun. So yeah. that's pretty much all I've got to say. My sequel that works for this week, Sing too. Give it a look. Maybe Nick will too. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. And so
0: now we've done two weeks of Jurassic Park. What's on our menu for next week?
1: Again, I guess we don't wanna spoil it, but it's a sequel to a much newer film and
0: We'll it, be getting a sequel soon anyway. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so we're gonna we're gonna cut it off at the past. If you like men that stand on rooftops in the rain, in the dark, you're really and gonna after, love and
0: after COVID you're still a fan of bats for some reason.
1: <laughs> yes. You're really gonna enjoy what we come up with on our next episode. But until next time.
0: To, to be, be continued. continued.
1: Find us on Facebook and Instagram at TMYL2. Find our polls and website at TMYL2.wordpress.com. Our opening title is by Brett Harris. Getting Stronger Super Me was written by Theron Booth and was mixed by Paul Slater. This episode was edited by Brilliant Crates.
0: The streets of the city in the dark The shadows leaping out at you Praying on the weak of heart There is no hope, no one to lead us through the night No one to take charge and have the strength to do what's right
1: I